This is the FCB Radio Network, home of the best personalities and where real talk lives. Online at fcbradio.com. FCB. They freed us all from tyranny. Risked everything for liberty. And they thought so we would be America, land of the Welcome back, Patriots. This is the Growing Patriot Podcast, American History for Kids. I'm your host, Amelia Hamilton. In this episode, everything comes to a head in the American Revolution. Remember that for this episode, just like every episode, there are videos, coloring pages, and other resources at growingpatriots.com. Let's dig in. got off to a crazy start. On January 1st, the very first day of the year, 1,500 Pennsylvania soldiers, which was all 11 regiments under the command of General Anthony Wayne, said that they had only signed up for three years. Now that a new year had started, their work was over. So they just left. The British thought it was an opportunity to get those soldiers to join their side, but that didn't work. They were still patriots. They were just tired of fighting. So instead, they took those British soldiers and turned them in to General Wayne himself. We can't blame them for thinking it would work, though. In early 1781, more Americans were actually fighting for the British than were fighting for Washington, but not those guys. It showed that they were devoted to patriotism, and that was an important thing for Congress. So General Wayne and Congressional President Joseph Reed met with those men to listen to them on January 7th. Half of the men still ended up leaving the army, while the other half took furloughs, which is like a break. And they also got paid a little bonus for coming back. And those who did come back formed the Pennsylvania Battalion, which went on to participate in the Southern Campaign. The first of those big Southern battles was January 17th, the Battle of Cowpens, South Carolina. Now you might remember that Nathaniel Green was now in charge of those battles in the South. He split his army in half, sending General Daniel Morgan to one area to make sure the British couldn't get supplies or any success. He was sure that those losses for the British would encourage patriots. On January 12th, Tarleton, remember, he was one of the British leader. His scouts saw Morgan's army on a river in South Carolina's backcountry and went after them. But Morgan spread the word to have local militias meet him, and they showed up in big numbers. The battle only took an hour, or even less, and it was a complete victory for the Patriots. 110 British soldiers died in that battle, and only 12 American Patriots. It was a turning point in the Southern Campaign and in the Revolution. As Daniel Morgan told Nathaniel Green, our success was complete. Just a couple of weeks later though, on February 1st, another battle broke out at the Battle of Cowan's Ford on on a river in northwestern Mecklenburg County, North Carolina. This battle was between a force of about 5,000 British and less than 1,000 Americans who were trying to slow the British from crossing that river. It was also the last fight of General William Lee Davidson, who was struck by a bullet and killed. Yep, this one was a British victory. Although in March, British and American soldiers would meet again at the Battle of Guilford Courthouse in North Carolina. Although the British won this battle, 
they lost so many troops that Cornwallis realized he was never going to be able to win the Carolinas. So he gave up and focused on Virginia because there he could get more help from the Navy. Fortunately for us, that didn't work out too well for Cornwallis either, and it all came to a head in September of 1781. You might remember the French soldiers who were up in Rhode Island. George Washington asked them to come down to the Chesapeake Bay in Virginia, and they took on Cornwallis and his Navy fleet. Nobody really won that battle, but British Commander-in-Chief Sir Henry Clinton, who was in New York at the time, decided that there weren't enough soldiers available for them to keep fighting like that. So, he told Cornwallis to pick a place on land and stay there, and then they would figure out what came next. So Cornwallis, with around 7,000 troops, moved to Yorktown, Virginia. While it meant that they only had one place to defend, it also meant that Washington and his French allies only had one target now. A French force of about 6,000 men under the command of the Comte de Rochambeau joined Washington north of New York City, and the two marched together to Chesapeake Bay. At the same time, another French man named Grasse sailed from his base in Haiti, taking north his full force of 28 ships and 3,300 troops. But that wasn't all of the French help. Jacques Melker's Saint Laurent, Comte de Barras, had left Newport as well. Correctly assuming that a squadron was bound for Chesapeake Bay, the British sailed with 19 ships in time to intercept it to stop it from getting there. But when the British heard that those that ships had reached the entrance to Chesapeake Bay, he was surprised. But de Grasse, he was surprised too. He didn't think that the British would be there. So they both some, same, made some mistakes in that battle, probably because they were so surprised to see each other. For the next three days, those two groups just floated there, waiting for the battle that was going to happen. But when a breeze came up, the French got it first and sailed on back to the Chesapeake, where de Barras had arrived. With French reinforcement, the British were really outnumbered, and Graves sealed the fate of Cornwallis by sailing for New York. Washington's army sailed the length of the Chesapeake under the protection of de Grasse's fleet and landed in Williamsburg, Virginia, where they joined an allied force under the command of the Marquis de Lafayette, who you've heard a lot about. That combined army arrived before Yorktown on September 28th and laid siege to Cornwall's position. Within a few days, Cornwallis received a message from Clinton in New York stating that a reinforced British fleet of 26 ships and 5,000 troops would sail from New York to help. With his hopes raised, Cornwallis continued to resist. But on October 13th, he tried to retreat across the York River, hoping to get to somewhere that would be easier to get supplies. He failed. <laughs> so failing in that and really needing supplies, he surrendered on October 19th when it became clear that Clinton had his hopes a little bit too high and his, that relief that he was sending would never get to Cornwallis in time. And with that, the war was pretty much over. Liberty had won, but that's still not quite the end of the story. The British Prime Minister, Lord North, resigned in shame in 1782 because he couldn't fix things. He tried to go back and make the former colonies happy. He suggested that America could have some independence, but they would still be a British colony. When he suggested that to Benjamin Franklin, he got a big no thanks. 
Benjamin Franklin also said no thanks to any treaty that didn't include France. Britain had to be at peace with our ally, our friend. So on November 30, 1782, the British and Americans signed the preliminary Articles of Peace, which began the official end to the war. Congress agreed to it in April. Remember, it takes a long time when documents have to cross the ocean on a boat. Then on September 3, 1782, almost a year after Cornwallis surrendered at Yorktown, America and Great Britain signed the Treaty of Paris, which officially ended the war. The United States, Great Britain, Spain, and France were all part of that. Britain recognized that America was its own country and its borders were firmly established, although we know now that America would continue to grow. By November, British troops had left their headquarters in New York City, and just in time for Christmas, George Washington resigned as commander of the Continental Army. He had led our little colonies to beat the best military in the world, and he was ready to go home and live a quiet life on his farm. But spoiler alert, he ended up being named president instead. But that's a story for another day. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can find Growing Patriots on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Growing Patriots. And visit growingpatriots.com for more information about this episode and the Growing Patriot books. Can't wait to talk to you next time as we start to build a new country. They freed us all from tyranny, risked everything for liberty, and they fought so we would be America, land of the free. Distributed by FCB Radio Network.